Welcome to the Fairfield Forum podcast and happy Cornerstone Farm Week. Today, we're going to make you smile by introducing you to Cornerstone's farm manager, Mr. Kyle Dozier. By now, you probably know a lot about the five and a half acre farm at Fairfield called Cornerstone, but you may not know a whole lot about the man who works it. This is our second interview with Mr. Kyle, who joined us last January as a part of our panel discussion at the Fairfield Forum. Among those in attendance at that panel was Virginia's former Secretary of Forestry and Agriculture, the chair of the Henrikopolis Soil and Water Board, and the former chair of Henrico County School Board, and of course, Mr. Kyle. Today, you'll hear an update from Mr. Kyle about how the pandemic has affected his business, how produce is cleaned, what having a farm at a school means, and since he's a farmer, what's on his Thanksgiving menu. We hope you enjoy. All right, you ready? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, uh, three, two, one. All right, we are here with Mr. Kyle, our farm manager at Cornerstone Farm. Happy Cornerstone Week, Kyle. Uh, every week is Cornerstone Week for you, but what's uh, <laughs> what's this week looking like? It's starting to get cold. It's the week of November 16th. What, what are you up to? Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, we've had a really long season. Uh, we haven't had a frost yet, but I'm thinking we're going to get one this week. So it is going to get cold enough to freeze which means uh, I'm finally gonna probably pull out the last of my eggplants and peppers, all my summer crops. They can't survive when it's that cold and uh, finish replacing with some of my winter crops and cover crops that will grow through the winter that can survive freezing temperatures. Uh, So it's a pretty big week. Um, Mm -hmm. All the gardens are gonna change and uh, we'll probably plant the last of our seeds for for the calendar year. And we'll start planting again in the greenhouse in January, so. How, how soon after a frost do you have to get um, those crops out of the ground? Or is it, it once the frost comes, they're kind of uh, kaput? Yeah, I, uh, because the, the freezing water inside the plants will damage them, I'm going to harvest all the food that's out here still on the, on the plants before the frost. So either today or tomorrow. I think we're supposed to get a frost on Tuesday night here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm going to sort of assess and see if the plants die from the damage that they get over these next couple of days or if they can survive another week. Sometimes we'll, we'll dip down into freezing temperatures for just a, a day or two and then it'll get warm again. And if I can get, you know, a couple of more peppers out of the plants or I can get a couple more cherry tomatoes out of the teacher's garden, then I'm going to do that when I can. Uh, but just in case everything dies, I'm going to harvest everything that's on the that's on the plants uh, before the frost. Okay. All right. Well, um, good luck. We we wish we could help you. Uh, for anybody listening in the future, you know this is 2020 uh, where we're ha- holding this conversation. So Kyle is kind of all alone at the farm uh, without our help. But we we've asked. Uh, the student body to submit questions to Kyle. And so that was done a couple weeks ago and I have them here. It was over, it was over 150 questions. So we'll, we'll kind of bunch the common ones together. Um, so just picking, uh, picking a few here, there was a, there's a good question about um, how you're able to grow, um, how the pandemic has affected what you grow, how you grow, and also mm-hmm. who is getting uh, the vegetables from and fruit from Cornerstone. So could you talk about that? 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, when the pandemic first hit in February and March, and when students had to leave the school property, um, I was I was also asked to stay away from the school property for a little bit while the county kind of figured out um, how to safely send some people back to the property to work. Uh, because my job is mostly outside, um, and I mostly work alone, it's pretty safe for me to be out here. I do wear a mask when I'm on the property, uh, unless I'm taking a Zoom call and want to show off my face. Um, but uh, the first thing that I did was realize that, that those couple of weeks, right when the pandemic hit, were like prime planting season. So it kind of really affected how, how many plants I could get in the ground. And then I knew immediately that it would be harder to have a lot of the volunteer help that we were counting on. Um, I haven't really been able to get a whole lot of help from additional staff that we hired. Um, so it, it made it made us sort of like shrink our ambition for the year. So we planted a little bit less. Uh, we realized that it would be a little bit slower to get that stuff ready to go. And we also realized that, you know, things like farmers markets were kind of questionable and difficult because of the amount of people involved and the amount of touching that's involved. We did uh, eventually work with a farmer's market that's pretty small and and we just changed how we, we interact with people. You know, I always have hand sanitizer ready, everyone's wearing a mask, everyone in the market's wearing a mask and the market changed the way they run things to help limit the uh, amount of contact that people had with each other and with the food. Uh, but mostly I've been selling to a local grocery store and then giving away food. So I think it's really important when times of crisis to make sure that everybody's fed um, and there's a lot of people that have been struggling or have lost their jobs. Uh, and so I've just been giving away a lot of food. We gave away over 600 pounds of food and mostly to people within my personal networks and, and within local community centers in the area, like the greater Fulton Hill uh, Neighborhood Resource Center. But most of our food over over a ton has been sell, sold through the Market 25th and at the Dory Park Farmers Market. So we've still been been rolling. You know, food service and food production is in, is considered essential work, um, and especially more, now more than ever, people are looking uh, to make sure that they can get healthy food uh, for free or for cheap because they're struggling financially. Having a local food system is really important too, because what we saw with the pandemic was that. Uh, national distribution chains, like getting food from California, where most of America's food is grown, became a lot more difficult because there were a lot of people on that process who might touch the food, and then truckers and people transporting the food were having trouble uh, staying safe and staying keeping the food clean and getting it to where it needed to go. So definitely a busy year, but a very different year than what we expected. Mm -hmm. And you know, as long as it's it's done safely and i know a lot of farmers market well farmers markets are typically done outside yeah it's also i imagine been helpful for people just kind of socially you know we've been holed up in our homes and you know it's maybe it's mm -hmm. kind of nice to get out to a, an outdoor uh you know socially distanced farmers market and be able to you know reconnect with people and and get in touch with the community again yeah um, well, that's you out there yeah, yeah that's, that's right <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, question here, sort of in that vein. How do you clean all the plants that you grow, and how long does it take? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, even before the pandemic, uh, we follow a lot of national regulations about how to clean food. Um, and so anything that gets harvested, if it's ever been in contact with the ground, uh, then I do wash it with, with clean water. Um, and we have very specific uh, protocols about how to clean the things that hold the water, the containers that hold the water. So I, I clean a lot of my surfaces, all my surfaces with bleach. 
um, before I fill it up with clean water from the tap. Um, and the it'll, all farms have to abide by these regulations uh, under a big umbrella called FISMA um, about mostly keeping soil-borne pathogens, like diseases you might get from, from dirt, from the ground, like E. coli, uh, from getting into the food supply. So some stuff like salad mix and collard greens, for example, that we grew a lot of in the spring, all that is, uh, is soaked in a big tank of water and then taken out of that tank and into another clean tank of water to get all the dirt off, because the dirt is what carries the germs. The food itself, you know, the plant material itself, doesn't usually carry pathogens. It's just the maybe soil particles that have been on it, and especially in situations where there have been animals nearby, you know, we have geese on the property sometimes, for example. We don't, you know, those want those geese to, like, poop in the rows and then for that poop to get on the food. So we're just washing the, the soil particles that may have gotten on the food off of it before we sell it. And then, actually, we're a lot cleaner than a lot of farms because there's only one or two people touching the food. Um, I, you know, when I deliver to the grocery store, I, I make sure that all my crates are washed very, very cleanly, um, and that, and and then I give it to them in, uh, you know, in a situation where it's kept off the ground inside their coolers so that they can take it out and put it on the shelves for everybody to eat. With the farmers market, there's even less people touching the food, so I get to package it myself if it's a a loose green, uh, I tried to put it in bags, and this year I tried to put more things in bags just so it could stay on the table without people necessarily breathing, you know, something like a virus particle uh, or moisture droplets onto the food itself. And to, add, to answer your question about how long it takes, I spend uh, most of my, my every Wednesday washing coolers and crates and surfaces and getting ready to harvest and wash on Thursday and Friday. All right. We'll do a few more. So a lot of students are asking about what types of projects they can do as students, you know, when we return. And then also there's a lot of questions about what can they take home? Uh, yeah. So what's your policy on, uh, you know, students getting in and, and growing either, you know, with a class or a club? And then what about like just taking taking produce home when they get out there with their teachers and classmates? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, there's, I think there's so many opportunities for folks to get involved out here. There's so much space. There's way more space than I can manage by myself. So if I know in advance, you know, we're going to be ordering seeds in December, I, I will order whatever plants people want to grow. And then we'll just need to know that, that uh, folks are willing and able to take care of it throughout at least the, the semester, at least, you know, this, for example, the spring semester or the fall semester. Or if we get a summer club, having, having, having the summer club, be able to commit to that those couple of months so that we can, we can make sure the plants are, are tended throughout their whole life cycles. Uh, some plants like watermelon, you plant in the spring and then you don't even harvest it until fall. Uh, but having that consistent help is really important. As far as taking food home, I encourage everybody to take, take food home. If it's something that I've planted for sale, um, I will usually wait and see if I have extra. And, and like all year this year, on every Thursday, I've been letting you know the teachers and the administrative staff and the custodial staff and the cafeteria workers and the maintenance staff who are here know that I have extra food and flowers and they come and pick it up that way. Uh, but if, the, if kids are out here, if students are out here, if teachers are out here as part of their class, yeah, I'm gonna send everybody home with a sample if I can. Uh, and I'm, I'm and especially, you know, uh, considering the fact that eventually we are going to have students back on the property here. Um, my plan is to plant some rows just for that, just for snacking, just for sampling. And if there's interest in, in 
and students at large just being, you know, being interested in coming out and having a snack, I'll just label those rows as snack rows and, and folks can come out and get what they want. Okay. So last, last couple questions here when, um, you know, how, how unique is it, uh, in your experience that a school has a farm? Um, yeah, there's about 80, 80 schools in Henrico County alone. I'm not really sure of any that have a, a farm, maybe a garden. Um, and sort of like, what do you, what does that make you think about? What, how, you know, how does that inspire you? Where does your mind go when you think, okay, this isn't just a farm in the middle of nowhere. You know, this is a farm with, you know, 1100 students who are right nearby an actual school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I have worked in a lot of the smaller school gardens and worked with educators in Richmond and Henrico and Chesterfield for, for a long time, uh, just, you know, running very basic lessons in a very small space. So I already know that there's opportunities for students and teachers to get out and you don't need a whole lot of space for that, which is nice to know because, because we can do that anytime. But I was really inspired to work here because I'm interested in a kind of farming that doesn't uh, try and make a profit, right? I'm interested in farming that, that, that the purpose is to, to feed people who want food and to feed myself and to feed my community. Um, without having to necessarily go out and scramble around for dollars uh, to make to make life work and, and to survive, so I think farming public land in uh, in that case and, and in this case it would be on a school is really important to me sort of ethically and morally uh, because it means that I'm not growing things for a market necessarily or to supply some some demand or to get one over on somebody in order to get a couple extra bucks. But I'm, I'm ideally farming for the needs of the community and for the desires of the community. And because we're at a school, you know, this is a, a really important, like, focal and nexus point for the community. You know, almost all the families nearby, certainly everybody who has, who has kids of middle school age is, is interacting with this property and can see what we're doing and can potentially get access to the food that we're growing. So I think that that's really special. I think schools are a lot more than just a place to educate our kids. I think that they're a node for community access to services and and for working together to to, to create common goals. Um, I think this property is really unique in just how large it is and how much beautiful outdoor space it is. So I think uh, Fairfield students are really lucky in that regard. I mean, y'all don't even have hallways inside right now, which is really cool. Um, and it means that you have access to outdoor space to do all kinds of projects, farming related, athletics related, anything you want to do, there's plenty of space to do it. So I don't ever want to take that for granted and I want to make sure that I'm here to help students and teachers figure out how to use this space in a way that makes sense for them. Um, sometimes gardens are just beautiful places to be um, and that's a totally valid reason to want to be outside your plants. And sometimes you, you, you just want more space to, to grow your own food for the neighborhood and we can do that too. So I think it's I think it's what's my, what my favorite part about it is is that it's a it's a blank slate. It can be whatever we want it to be. So this will be our our final question here. Uh, Thanksgiving is coming up, so uh, we were wanting to get your thoughts about uh, you know what's on your what's on the menu for you, and is there anything from Cornerstone specifically, or do you have any? like favorite recipes that you incorporate cornerstone fruits or veggies into that you want to, that you want to share. We're asking students later on this week uh, for some of their favorite recipes, but maybe you have one or two that you, uh, that you'd like to share. 
Yeah, yeah, I have I have been so we've been growing a lot of eggplant uh, this year, and eggplant's one of my favorite vegetables. So I'm definitely gonna uh, have some eggplant that will survive. I'll pick it before the frost, and then it'll still be in, in my refrigerator for Thanksgiving. I do a lot of roasted veggies with what we have here on the farm. So I'll chop up that eggplant. I'll take some of the green peppers we have. I'll chop up tomatillos from the from the teacher educator garden, uh, and whatever else I can find out here, and just. Uh, lightly, you know, cover that in oil, uh, toss it around with my hands, throw it in the oven at 375, and just wait for it to be soft and delicious and maybe a little brown on the outside. And I'll either eat that like that, or I can add that to a soup, and you get a really nice roasty flavor, um, or you can you can throw that on a griddle and fry it so it's even more crispy and have that like as a hash uh, with your eggs in the morning. So I think that's a really versatile and simple way to use many of the kind of vegetables we have out here. Um, because I'm limited on space, I haven't, I haven't grown a whole lot of the traditional like Thanksgiving crops this year, um, but I'm excited to try and do that next year. But the other thing that I'm gonna have on my Thanksgiving table is a bunch of beautiful flowers from this farm. Um, so we've had a lot of marigolds, yellow and, and orange flowers, like you would see on like Dia de las Muertas uh, celebrations, really big, bright flowers. And we've had a lot of zinnias. I think the zinnias will probably die this week, and the marigolds will too. But we've also had these little uh, purple flowers and pink flowers called gomfrina. I've been picking a lot of the marigolds and gomfrina, and when they dry, they keep their color. So I've been stringing them together in these long strands called garlands, and those have just been decorating my house. So they're very festive, and they'll definitely be on my Thanksgiving table. Um, I'm not really sure who I'm going to see for Thanksgiving this year because uh, I don't live with my parents and my mother is fairly immunocompromised, which means that she's at higher risk for virus uh, transmission or, and for getting really sick if she does get the virus. So I'm, I may be with friends or with my partner's family, um, and in which case I won't have a whole lot of control over what we're cooking, but I'll try and be, I'll, I'll be trying to bring some stuff uh, just to contribute. And if I do, It'll be, there'll definitely be some eggplant uh, from Cornerstone and some sweet potatoes from my garden at home. That's wonderful. Well, Mr. Kyle, thanks for, for joining us. We don't want to keep you. It sounds like you have a lot going on before this frost hits. But uh, thank you for the updates. And uh, to everybody listening and watching, we're going to have updates throughout the week on our on our FMS Schoology page that Mr. Kyle has given us um, with some numbers and things that we've seen throughout the year. So. Mr. Kyle, thank you. Have a have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we can't wait till we can get out there soon. Yeah, thanks. I miss y'all. I can't wait to see you soon. We miss you, man. All right, be well. See ya. All right, bye.